welcome to the Vineyard Cleveland podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information and other resources, please visit vineyardcleveland.org. I said we're beginning a series called 23, and it's a meditative look at the 23rd Psalm. An old theologian said, you might as well not even try to exegete the 23rd Psalm. It's very, very familiar to you. It's a song of praise that you've heard at perhaps weddings or always at funerals. Why do we hear it all of the time at funerals? A lot of the psalm gets at the underlying fears that all of us have, whether they're perceived or whether they're real. And that's why I believe that the 23rd Psalm is read at most every funeral that you go to because we fear the unknown and death is like the scary thing for all of us. And so we hear the words of David, we hear the words of God through King David over Israel saying, fear not. A lot of this psalm has to deal with fear and how the Lord comforts our souls. It's a super, super familiar psalm, super, super famous. So I'm not even going to try to exegete it for you. I just want to sit with it with you guys for these next 12 weeks, not literally sit in this building, but sit with it for a given amount of time on Sunday mornings. You know, it's super famous. It's even used in tons of movies and pop songs from Jesus Walks by Kanye West to Gangster's Paradise by Coolio. Come on, let's hear it for Coolio. Good Charlotte, You're Nobody Till Somebody Kills You by Puff Daddy and Big. Sick Man by Alice in Chains. Love Rescue Me by U2. Sheep by Pink Floyd. Ripple by The Grateful Dead. And Shadow of Death by Megadeth. Ooh. Any metal fans out there? So these are common expressions that we still hear in our society today that are still relevant somehow um, in our culture and in our society. So we're just going to sit with it for these next 12 or so weeks leading up to Easter. But in order to wrap our hearts and our heads around it, I figured that we would take the 23rd Psalm verse by verse and just sort of hang out at each verse. And so today's verse is the opening verse of the Psalm, which simply reads, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And if the Lord is my shepherd, if we're going to be a people of Yahweh, of people of Jesus, who say, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, then we first have to seek to know his character and understand in our hearts, in our heads, in our understanding, something of his character and his ability. So this morning, the goal is to first paint a big picture of God, because often our picture of God is too small. If we're to understand the Lord as shepherd, this intimate thing, it's paradoxical, you see, to paint a big picture of wonder of who God is, his character, and what he does, his ability. And then get into what it means that the Lord is our shepherd. What does that mean? And then tackle that second phrase, lastly, I shall not be in want. So if the Lord is my shepherd... What does that mean? The Lord. The Lord. 
The Hebrew word here is, or the Hebrew phrase, or the Hebrew name is Adonai Roi. Roi. You have to pronounce the E there. Roi. Adonai Roi. And what Adonai means in Hebrew is Lord or master. Lord is sort of like a British term for ownership, for owning property, for owning something. Lord, master, there's like a father component to Adonai, owner. And roi means shepherd and caretaker. And there's like notes of like friendship with this word roi. And so David is saying, this is who you are. You are the Lord, my shepherd. Now think about how we've just defined the two names, Adonai and Roi, and how those two names mingle with one another. What we're really saying about who God is, is that he is Lord. Yeah, he's owner, master of everything. Bigger than He-Man, master of the universe for you 80s babies. But he is the master or the father of friendship. Check that out. How cool is that? How good is that? He is the master. He is the father of friendship. Anything that feels like intimacy, anything that feels like friendship, is pointing back towards who God is. The master of friendship. A friend that, right, a friend you belong to. If he's the owner, if he's the Lord, the owner, and he's the shepherd, Jesus says he's the good shepherd, he's a friend that you belong to, that you are under, that you share every fiber of your being with. The Lord. There's a couple of dynamics here with him being the Lord, with God being the Lord. And the tendency with the 23rd Psalm, because it's so familiar to us, many of you could sit there and you could quote it verbatim to me. The tendency is to say, yeah, yeah, yeah. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down. Green pastures. Got it. Table, enemies. He's with me. Got it. All that at funerals, done. And if we did so, we would be in major error this morning because I do feel like God has something for us, each and every one of us this morning. He is the Lord. Let's not skip too quickly over that. What is he the Lord over? Well, he's the Lord of creation. He's the creator. He's the Lord of creation. And I felt this week, being a fisherman, that I would share with you how wonderful fish are. How wonderful fish are. Do you know there are thousands of new species of fish that are just being discovered too? Oh, we're so technologically advanced. There are types of fish we don't even know exist. There are colors of fish. There are shapes and sizes of fish. There are beautiful fish. There are scary looking fish. There are fish who will eat you and fish who don't want to eat you. 
There are fish who have teeth that look like your teeth, called paku in Brazil, and they eat fruits and nuts. There are fish swimming in the Atlantic Ocean, who will eat you, and are the size of your house. Aren't fish amazing? Oh, isn't God amazing? The diversity of nature, the diversity of creation. Consider these different instinctive or learned behaviors. Arctic terns migrate from the Arctic to the Antarctic and back. Octopi use on and off camouflage. Schools of fish swim in choreographed harmony. Parrots mimic human speech and other... Hold on! Parrots mimic human speech. Bears, they hibernate. They, just, they hibernate in the winter. Marmots whistle to one another. Sleeping hummingbirds slow their metabolic rates. Prairie dogs tunnel. Pregnant lobsters become aggressive. And eagles wait. They will wait. I saw one two weeks ago on the Grand River. They will wait in the tree for rising thermal air currents as if they were elevators. Isn't that amazing? Isn't God amazing? He's the Lord of creation. And we'd be in air if we skipped over that and just blanketed, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be one. He's the Lord of creation. Everything that you see. Can you do that? Can you do that? Can you create a parrot who mimics what you say from nothing? Can you do that? All we do is reflect. And the wonder of all. I just sat there and saw James and Cynthia's new baby girl. Like you guys created a human. Like isn't God amazing? Like you're making humans. You guys are like making humans. God is wonderful. He's the Lord of creation. He's also the Lord over life and death. He's victorious in that. He shed blood for us at the cross for the forgiveness of sins. This means that Jesus has rights to me. I'm entitled to nothing He is the Lord over life and death. I belong to him. I'm a sheep because he's ransomed me back at the price of his own laid down life. In John 10, he says, shepherds lay down their lives willingly for the sheep. And I don't want to go too much into the sheep. You guys have heard this song and dance before, right? You guys have heard preachers talk about this, about how sheep are doomed. Sheep are dim, dum, dum. They will wander off. They will wander off. They will get lost. They will get themselves in all kinds of trouble. I don't want to bring that up too much other than to say that we think the relational dynamic is opposite. We always get to think that we are the shepherd and God is the sheep, that we can corral him, that, we can, that he's the one who's lost and we're the ones who know best. We've got the relational dynamic all messed up. And if you're sitting there like, no way, I know I'm a sheep, uh, open your eyes. We are all little sheep running around thinking that we're shepherds and that we know best, that we know where green pastures are, we know where quiet waters are, 
We know where all of these things, where life truly lies, and we're completely and utterly mistaken. We are the sheep. We're the ones who get lost. We don't know where we're going. We don't know where we're going. He's the Lord over life and death. He's victorious over life and death. And he lays down his life for us. He's the Lord of creation. He's the Lord over life and death. And he's the Lord of faithfulness. Think about how faithful God is. Ah, you just took a breath. Ah, you just took another one. Oh, you took another one. You didn't even know it. And you just keep on doing it. You keep on taking breaths. Who are you taking breaths from? Oh, you're taking breaths from the Lord of faithfulness. You're not entitled to that next breath that you take. God put it in your lungs. God put it in your lungs. We can recognize his ownership of us because he intercedes first for us. He leads us. He guides us. Even the breath we take belongs to him and he sustains us. The faithful care of God. Oh, we don't know the depths of mercy that God has saved us from. We, we say in our hearts and in our hands, yet, or in our heads and in our hearts, and to other people, yeah, pretty, in, in more ways than one. Oh, we wouldn't go out and say it outright. But in more ways than one, we're, we, we're like, yeah, I've got this thing pretty much figured out, the love of God. I've got a pretty great handle on like who he is and like how he sustains me. Yep, saved my life, got it. Jesus saved my life. Yep, died on the cross, rose from the dead, got it. But the truth is, is that we don't understand the depths of mercy that God has saved us from. You don't know what God has saved you from. You don't know what terrible predicament that you were in and you didn't even know it. You didn't even know it and God saved you from it. In fact, you might have been in such a terrible predicament and thought everything was roses in your life. You might have thought it was good. You might have called what was terrible good and God saved you from what was terrible. He's the Lord of faithfulness. He's so faithful to you. The scriptures tell us that he will never leave you nor forsake you. Ever. Ever, ever, ever. He will sustain you. We don't know quite what he has kept us from. So some fresh questions to ask of the text this morning for you might be, do I really belong to him? Do I really belong to God? Do I really recognize his right to me? That God has a right to me? Do I find freedom and complete fulfillment in this dynamic? Meaning, being a sheep and he's the shepherd. Do I find freedom and fulfillment in that? Helpful questions to ask. He's not just the Lord He's the Lord, our shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I love this quote from Dallas Willard. Dallas says this, the Lord is my shepherd. In other words, I'm in the care of someone else. 
I'm not the one in charge. I've taken my kingdom and surrendered it to the kingdom of God. I'm living the with God life. Don't you love that? The Lord is my shepherd. On a side note, we're going to be taking from two different sources for you guys reading throughout the course of this series. One of them is Philip Keller's book, A Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23, which is a wonderful book. It's been around for a while. The other is called A Life Without Lack. It's by Dallas Willard. And the third and most important one are the scriptures. So if you're readers, I want to encourage you through this to know the Lord as shepherd, to know how the Lord cares for you. I'm going to be praying Psalm 23 and meditating and trying to memorize it because I don't have it memorized. You're like, oh, great, pastor. I don't have it memorized. And so every day through the course of these next 12 weeks, I'm going to meditate on it and I'm committing that to you guys. And maybe some of you would join me in that because I want to know this life. I want to know this dynamic of the Lord being my shepherd, the Lord providing for me when I'm in need, everything I need. I want to know that dynamic. I want to experience that reality. I don't just want to like be able to memorize it and quote it. I want to like know it deep in my bones that the Lord is my shepherd. He's the one who cares for me. Yeah, all of these circumstances might dictate differently to me, but the Lord is my shepherd. That bill is coming at the end of the month, but the Lord is my shepherd. He provides for me. These people, they're so difficult. Oh my God, but the Lord is my shepherd. He prepares a table before me. You see, like just knowing that in, in our bones changes how we see life from a life of like scarcity and a life of lack to a life of abundance where you're able to say, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want with all of your heart and your understanding. So this begs the question, the Lord is my shepherd, what is the posture of your heart and your life before the throne of God? What is the posture of your life before the throne of God? When you picture yourself before God, do you, and, and let's be honest, let's be honest. It's time for the church to be honest. It's time for the church. This is a day and age when the world needs to see an authentic expression of Jesus' people. Let's be honest. Let's be authentic. When you picture yourself before the throne of God, are you facing it? Are you on your knees? Are you bowed before the throne of God? Are you kind of like afraid? What sort of posture are you taking? Are you like, I don't know, this is scary. Are you turning away? Do you have your back turned toward something else or someone else? Because what Psalm 23 is about is worship. And we're designed to worship, and we will worship someone or something. Where is your heart postured this morning? Who or what is on the throne of your life? Or, for our analogy this morning, whose or what sheepfold are you grazing in? And you say, well, that's great. The Lord is my shepherd. And yet, I still have all of these needs. All of these needs. The needs are endless. 
not just with us individually, not just with our communities, not just with our city, not with our nation, not with our world. The need is endless, is it not? But my hope is that we can become a people or learn to become the type of people who even in terrible circumstances can say the Lord is my shepherd. Listen to Habakkuk. This is a guy who's got it figured out. This is Habakkuk 3, 16 through 19. I heard and my heart pounded. My lips quivered at the sound. Decay crept into my bones and my legs trembled. Yet I will wait patiently for the day of calamity to come on the nation invading us. Verse 17, here it is. Though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet, verse 18, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful and God my Savior. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to go to the heights, even in terrible circumstances, even in the valley of the shadow of death. I take a look at my life, I realize there's nothing left. Coolio. hip-hop prophet of the 90s, Coolio. Those dreadlocks were awesome, weren't they? They were so good. Um, yeah, you still might be asking, well, you don't understand, you know? You don't see my life. God doesn't see my life. I don't really, yeah, the Lord's my shepherd. I don't really feel that in my life. Even in terrible circumstances, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Even when you're walking through the valley of the shadow of death. Now, what are we asking here? Are we asking for you to simply grin and bear it? Yet I will rejoice. Have you run into these people before? Their lives are falling apart, going through a divorce. Uh, kids are falling apart. Their lives are falling apart. It's not happy time. And they're like, amen, Jesus is good. He's blessed me. Are we asking to just like, for that? To just grin and bear it? To pull ourselves up by our bootstraps? No, that's not what we're saying here. What we're saying is that there's to be a further dependence and a push into the Lord being the shepherd that we're even going through it, we're still saying, yeah, we're at least acknowledge, we're acknowledging. We're saying, yeah, this totally sucks right now. My life is miserable right now. But you are still good. Jesus, you are still my shepherd. Whether I feel that you're shepherding me or not, whether I feel that you're caring for me and, or not, whether I feel like you're with me or not, because what we're finding here at Vineyard Cleveland is that even in his apparent absence, he's still present. And those are the times when we look back in 2020, uh, 
pun, that he is most present, even in his apparent absence. What we're saying at Vineyard Cleveland is that the hardships, the trials that you're enduring today, that you're in, and I am many of you, and I've spoken with many of you, and your, your life is not easy right now. You're going through it. That even in the midst of hardship and in the midst of trial, even in his apparent absent, absence, you're learning to lean in, not run away from. We're learning that adversity is actually a backdoor to Jesus' presence. We're finding Jesus in the trial, in the loss, in the midst of chaos, in the midst of crazy people, in the midst of crazy people, God is there. God is there. Yet, I will rejoice. Yet, I will be joyful. Yet, I will choose to see my circumstances and my trials as something that God has not intended, that God has not brought into my life, but yet that he's working in to bring about a stronger sense of Christ's presence within me. That these things that I face, they're not just like without meaning and without purpose. The difficult marriage, the loss of a loved one, the miscarriages, all of these things. These are not God's design for us, but yet he works in them to bring about the sense of character that shines to the world and says, yet. God is faithful, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. The Lord is my shepherd. In him I shall not want. That's really good. So there's nothing to be, hey, there's nothing to be afraid of this morning. There's a sense of like fear this week that was like creeping in on me. And I'm like, you know what? The Lord is my shepherd. There's nothing to fear. What are you going to do? Threaten me over, threaten my life over the phone if I don't shut up. What are you going to do, kill me? Great, I get to go to heaven, thanks. Awesome. What can you do to me, right? The Lord is my shepherd, knowing in your bones that he loves you with a never giving up love and saying the Lord is my shepherd. What's the worst thing that man could ever do to you if the Lord is your shepherd? The Lord is the one who cares for me. The Lord sees me. The Lord feeds me. The Lord loves my kids more than I love my kids. The Lord loves Sarah more than I love Sarah. The Lord loves you all more than I love you all. No, wait. Yes, he does. He loves you all so very much. So what can someone do to you? What can they do? If the Lord is your shepherd, you shall not be in want. Everything you need. This is the life without lack. Spurgeon says it this way. We have all things and abound, not because I have a good store of money in the bank, not because I have skill and wit with which to win my bread, but because the Lord is my shepherd. I cannot want, you see, You can't want for anything if the Lord is your shepherd because you know 
If you're saying this, the Lord is my shepherd, you know that you cannot provide for yourself. You can't do it. Everything we have is a gift. We like to think opposite in Northeast Ohio. We like to think that everything is earned. And all of the, and sometimes we hold up our trials and our struggles in the wrong, in an unhealthy way. Everything is earned in Northeast Ohio. We had to work for this. No, everything is a gift from the Father of Lights. Everything's a gift. We can't provide for ourselves. Frederick Buchner is an amazing author. Here's what he says. He says, the function of Psalm 23 is theological, that is to praise and thank God. But such a psalm also has a social function of importance. It is to articulate and maintain a sacred canopy under which the community of faith can live out its life with freedom from anxiety. And then, ugh, I've been feasting on this this week. What does I shall not want really mean? Buchner goes on to say, maybe it means that if we keep our eyes open, if we keep our hearts and our lives open, we will at least never be in want of the one thing we want more than anything else. Maybe it means that whatever else is withheld, the shepherd never withholds himself. And he is what we want more than anything else. Uh, if the Lord is indeed our shepherd, then everything goes topsy-turvy. Losing becomes finding. And crying becomes laughing. The last become first, and the weak become strong. Instead of life being done in by death, in the end, as we always supposed, death is finally done in by life in the end. If the Lord is our host at the great feast, then the sky is the limit. And if you don't believe Buchner, <laughs> believe Jesus, because here's what he says about himself as we close this morning. I tell you the truth. This is Jesus. I tell you the truth. Jesus is not going to lie to you ever Ever, ever, ever. He is the truth. He will not lie. There is no falsehood in him. He says, I tell you the truth. You, 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 me. The man who does not enter by the sheep pen through the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. The man who enters by the gate is the shepherd of his sheep. The watchman opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize the stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but they did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said again, I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep. All who ever came before me were thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. He will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal 
and kill and destroy. I have come, Jesus says, he's come that they might have life and life to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd who is coming or who owns the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd, second time he says it. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my Father loves me is that I lay down my life, only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority, Jesus says, to lay it down and the authority to take it up again. This command I received from my Father. At these words, the Jews were again divided. Many of them said, he is a, he is a demon-possessed man and raving mad. Why listen to him? But others said, these are not the sayings of a man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? The good shepherd. Do you know the good shepherd this morning? Do you know that the good shepherd laid his life down for you and for me? All of the wretched things that we do to one another, all of the terrible things that we do to ourselves, all of the thoughts that we think about God, all of the bitterness that we harbor in our hearts, all of the ways we try to control other people and try to control life, all of the ways we try to manipulate our situations so that we turn out on top and others turn out on the bottom, all of these things are bundled up and thrown on the person of Jesus at the cross. And over his head reads the sign, the king of the Jews, the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. And also over the head of Jesus is any charge that could have been brought against you. Any charge for the sin that you've committed or the sins that have been committed against you. All of the ways that you have offended God in your life. All of the ways that I have wronged my brother or my sister. Those are all paid for by the good shepherd who's laid down his life and continues to lay down his life. Yes, at the cross, once and for all, the unique blood of Jesus for the sins of the world, past, present, and future. But the good shepherd lays down his life time and time again so that we might find life. And not just for the hereafter, not just in heaven, where you think you'll be twiddling your thumbs for all eternity, but for the here and the now. There's freedom for you this morning. There's freedom for you from habitual sin. There's freedom for you from worry and anxiety, from control, from power trips. There's freedom for you from all of those things in the cross of Jesus, in the person of Jesus, the good shepherd. Why don't you stand with me?